You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. So I told you earlier that I really enjoy being a dad. Like it's, it's one of my the favorite things I've ever had in my life, mainly because when I go to Toys R Us, I've got a kid there that I can be like, oh, I'm looking at toys with him instead of just looking like that, that creepy guy I saw the other night when I was there. I'm telling you, it was weird. He was standing there at the, the Lego minifig case, and he was just feeling all the minifigs, and he wouldn't move. He was just standing there, and I was mad because that's what I wanted to be doing. I, you, I, I mentioned, like, all these Lego here, these are mine. These aren't all my Lego. In my house, I've got a room that is dedicated just to Lego. Um, it's only five by five because that's the most we could handle in our little 850 square foot apartment, but I almost got all my Lego in there. There's only a little bit in the living room and the bedroom and the kids' room and the kitchen. And the, there's not any in the bathroom yet, but I'm building something right now. But it's one of my favorite things, but, but I love being a dad because now my son is four years old, almost five uh, in December, and, and he is getting into actually building and playing with Lego. Although for some reason he enjoys taking it apart a whole lot more, especially things that took me hours and hours to put together, um, or just ripping the hands off and throwing, I don't know what he does with them. But he enjoys it, and we have this thing together. And that's awesome. But as great as it is, it becomes a little bit mundane. We do the same kind of things. He always wants to play the same games. And so last year, about this time, we started hearing news of the Lego movie. And that was exciting. That was something that was going to break the status quo for us because the Lego movie was something we could go to the theater and watch. And I remember where we lived before we moved to Wilmington, it was an hour and a half to the movie theater. Man, I'm glad to be in Wilmington. Hour and a half to the movie theater. And, and so we got up, and it was a whole day trip, and we went to Toys R Us, and we looked at the movie Lego and got to actually build Emmett's car from the movie for free, which is awesome. Toys R Us does that, and you should check it out. There actually is another one next weekend. We did one yesterday. It's Bricktober, favorite time of year. Not even kidding. Not even kidding. Uh, and so we, we did that, and we went to the movie theater, and I'll never forget, I'm sitting there watching the movie, and Cal says, excuse me, Dad, excuse me, Dad, because that's what he does when he's trying to get somebody's attention, or hey, but most times, excuse me, Dad. And I said, yeah, buddy, what's up? He said, Dad, thank you. This is awesome. And I was like, oh. And so the Lego movie is really special in our house, because it was the first time kal and I had gone, just the two of us, to the movies. So much so that I was out of town and headed home the night that the DVD was released, and it was about 20 minutes to 12 as I passed the last Walmart uh, 45 minutes away from our house. And I said, I'm going to stop because that movie releases at midnight. I'm going to get it. I'm going to take it home and I'm going to be a hero. So I stopped and I walked around Walmart for 25 minutes, which is way easy. Everybody does. You know, you go on Walmart. It's 25 minutes if you know exactly where you're going and what you're doing. It's still 25 minutes. And so I spent 25 minutes and I went over there and I'm waiting for them to bring out the box of Lego movie and they didn't do it. And so I waited another 10 minutes and they still didn't do it. Finally, I went and asked, hey, the Lego movie releases today. It's today. Can I get the movie? And they had to go in the back and get it for me. But I took the Lego movie home and we watched it the next day and we have watched it and watched it and watched it. And it's still one of my favorite movies. I love everything about it. This week we're finishing up the series, I Want 
a movie life. And if you hadn't figured it out, the movie we're going to talk about this week is the Lego movie. And it's good. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. If you're a dad and haven't seen it, shame on you. You should go and see it because it's one of those films that the meaning is just so much bigger than, hey, you should buy Lego, even though that's definitely in there. It's the world's longest commercial that you don't realize is a commercial. But it's so good. And if you haven't seen it, then don't feel bad. I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'm not going to give you any of the major plot points that you couldn't get from looking at the trailer or from uh, watching the, the little snippets that they show around. Um, but I want to tell you four things that you need to know about the Lego movie. First of all, this is Emmett. Uh, this is also Emmett. Uh, right there. Um, I had to find him. He was in multiple pieces in a box of Lego last night. And so we covered the bed in it and, uh, and found Emmett. But this is Emmett. And, and the one thing you need to know about Emmett is that Emmett, how do you say this nicely? Uh, Emmett is ordinary. Emmett is plain. There, there's nothing special about Emmett. He just goes with the flow. He just does what everybody else is doing. He just trudges along day in, day out, always doing the same thing. So that's the first thing you need to know about the Lego movie. The second thing you need to know is that Emmett is not alone. It seems as you watch the, mo the movie and the, the second scene that everybody is on the same page as Emmett. They all get up and they breathe and then brush their teeth and exercise and comb their hair and put on clothes and go to, and go to work and drop off the dry cleaning and buy some overpriced coffee, which in the Lego movie, it's like $36 for a cup of coffee, which is um, about the same as Starbucks, right? Yeah, it, I don't know because I don't drink the stuff because I'm smart. But I, I, hear, I hear that. I hear that. Uh, but they do this, and it's the same every day. It's like they're following the same instruction book. In fact, that's exactly what they're doing. They've got an instruction manual that they're following, step one, step two, step three. And they just go through and do the same thing over and over again. And the whole while they're listening to this theme song, everything is awesome. Over and over. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. And that's what they hear all in, day in, day out, 24 hours a day. That's all the radio station plays because they're really trying to believe that everything is awesome in this mundane existence. Well, there's another guy that you need to know about in the Lego movie. He's called President Business. And President Business is the president of the Octane Corporation, and the world, and he is the one that's pulling all these strings. He's the one that's writing these instructions. He's the one that's making everyone believe that everything is awesome because he's got a plan, a diabolical plan, a plan that if you've seen the movie, I will hunt you down if you do what he plans on doing in this movie because it's desecration. But he's got the wool pulled over everybody's eyes. He's got them believing that he's just this good guy that's going to give them free tacos, which is all right. Taco Tuesday is good. We enjoy that, but not the way he's got it planned. But there's one more thing you need to know about the Lego movie, and that's that there is a resistance. There are people that have seen through what President Business is doing, and they're fighting against it. It sets up a pretty good story, doesn't it? I mean, all the greatest stories uh, uh, that we know in our world are, are 
these things. This ordinary person that, that suddenly meets a resistance and then goes off to fight a great evil. I mean, Luke Skywalker, all he wanted to do was go to Taji Station to buy some power converters. And then he ends up facing Darth Vader. Or Frodo just wanted to sit in the Shire and smoke his pipe and live fat on Bilbo's wealth that he stole from the dragon. But he goes and faces down the Dark Lord Sauron, gets his finger bit off in the process. The same thing's true if you're watching The Matrix or if you're watching any other good story. The same thing's true when you look at the Civil War, when you look at World War II, when you read the Bible, you see that there are people, ordinary people that see the evil in the world and decide to stand up against it. And that's what happens in the Lego movie. But you know, what's crazy is it's not just in those stories that we read. It's not just in the great wars that happen in, our, in, the, in the world. It happens in our own lives. Whether you know it or not, you are part of the story. You are in the story right now. And there's four things about our story that we need to know. The first is that every one of us wake up every day with a choice. We get to choose how we're going to live. We get to choose how we're going to carry ourselves. We get to choose whether or not we're going to get up. All of us that are here this morning woke up and made the choice to come to venture. We made the choice to, to come to church to, to give this a chance. We made that choice. It was a decision. It wasn't something that anybody forced on us. It wasn't something that anybody said, if you don't do it, I'm going to shoot you. We chose. But you know what's crazy is if even if somebody held a gun on you and said, if you don't do it, I'm going to shoot you, it's still a choice. It's still your decision and that's the way that God designed us. God designed us to not be robots. He doesn't want us to talk like this and do all these things and then seeing everything is awesome. That's not what God made us for. God made us to be beings that could choose between love and selfishness. They could choose between what's right and what's wrong. They can choose between morality and evil. Because in that choice, we become individual. In that choice, we become who we are. So the first thing we need to know about our story is that we have a choice. The second thing we need to know is that we're not alone. There are 7 billion other people in this world that wake up every morning with the choice. 7 billion other people that wake up and, and have the choice to choose anything that they want multiple times a day. And because of that, there's a, a mob mentality that is formed. There's popular culture that has come through and says, I'm going to go with this flow. It's like a flood that just overwhelms us and catches us like a whitewater rapid and just carries us away. And we sometimes feel like we don't really have a choice. We've got to do these things that are, are normal and common and popular. We've got to be the same as everybody else because that's the only way that we can do it. We've got to just go with the flow because it's easier We've got to fit in. And friends, i got to tell you, I'm tired of trying to fit in. We've got to just go with the flow. There's one more thing you need to know, or two more. But the third thing you need to know is that in our story, there's a bad guy. There's actually lots of bad guys. Uh, the, the Bible describes them as evil spiritual forces or the devil. And we all know, we watch cartoons growing up, we know what the devil looks like. He's that little imp guy that's all red or wearing a red jumpsuit and he's got a pointy goatee and those little twirled up mustaches and pointy hair, or horns and a pointy tail and a pitchfork. And he's easy to spot because he's that guy out in the creepy white van trying to give you candy to get you to go away with him. 
Sorry if anybody drove a van today. I, I don't think that's you. You're not the devil. But that's what the devil is, right? That's what the world paints the devil to be, this thing that's so easy to spot. But listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14. It says, and no wonder, for Satan masquerades himself as an angel of light. He wants to pull the wool over our eyes. He wants everyone to think that he is good. He wants everyone to think that everything is awesome. Because when everything is awesome and we're just going with the flow, we're not resisting him. When everything is awesome, we're just going with the flow. We're not standing up to him. We're not seeing the evil that abounds. And so that's his ultimate goal in life, to tell us that everything is awesome. To live the lie that we're doing some good, even when we're really not accomplishing anything. And the fourth thing that we need to know about our story is that there is a resistance. There are people that have looked out and seen this ploy, that have seen what is going on, that have seen what Satan is doing and have said, no, I'm going to stand up to this because there is a different way. There is a better way. And that way is Jesus. The resistance in this world, the rebels in this world are Christians that are standing up and saying, you know what? It is time to do something about this. It is time to be something greater, to change the status quo. Jesus said one time, come to me, all you who are burdened, or weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If you're tired, if you're sick of trying to be like the world, sick and tired of trying to be popular, of trying to be cool, of trying to do the same thing that everybody else is doing, of waking up and brushing your teeth and combing your hair and putting on clothes and going to work and then rinsing and repeating over and over again. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. He said, if you're tired of trying to be popular, I'm tired of this word hipster getting thrown around because people think that because I wear black rim glasses and have a beard and wear bow ties that I'm a hipster, but I've been doing that way before hipsters ever existed, which I know sounds really hipster, but that's not what I'm trying to do. This is just me. This is just my style, but I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having to, to take my son to the toy store because I don't want people to look at me funny. I just want to be me in a way that I can. And Jesus says, come to me and I will show you how to find rest. Come and learn from me and take my yoke upon you and I will give you peace for your soul. Come to me and I will give you purpose. Not, not just physical things, not just something that's fun, not just a board game night, not just a, a good thing to happen, but, but peace for your soul. Not just financial stability, but peace for your soul. Are you getting that? Are you understanding what that means? But to do that, we've gotta break the flow of the status quo. We've got to get out of that rapid. We've got to find peace and truth and purpose by getting out of that flow. So that's our question for today. That's where we're going to land. That's what we're going to dig into is how do we break the flow of the status quo? And here at Venture, we like to say this. We like to say that we look for the most answers to life's most important questions in the Bible. Something like that, right, Aaron? Yeah, we look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. Uh, I said it backwards. We look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions, and this one's a doozy. 
How do you break the flow of the status quo to find truth and purpose? In the New Testament, there's a book called Romans. It's actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul, who was the first man to go out to the people who weren't Jewish and tell them about Jesus. He was the first missionary to the, to the pagan people of the world. And so because of him, most of us get to, to be Christians and to love Jesus, and that's awesome um, because of what he started. But he wrote a letter to the church at Rome, to the Christians there, to tell them about Christianity. And it's awesome. I love the book of Romans because throughout the book of Romans, Paul is giving like an owner's manual of Christianity. Like if you were to open up the hood and want to see all the gears and cogs and workings of what our belief system is, Romans is a great place to start. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. Romans is near the end of the Bible. Um, there are Bibles under your seat if you don't have one. Um, if there's not one under your seat, take the one from your neighbor's seat. Uh, it's Okay. And that Bible you can actually take home if you don't have one there. And there's some more in the back if you don't get one. Um, don't tell Chris I'm giving away all the Bibles, but I won't tell him if you don't. So just grab a Bible when you leave, and it'll be awesome. Chris will be like, dude, everybody took Bibles this week. It was cool. But Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, and it's, and it's this guide that lines out all of these cogs and, and miscellaneous moving parts of Christianity. For, through the first 11 chapters, that's what he's doing. He's talking about big things like grace and sin. He's talking about how to become a Christian, how to do Christianity, how to do all this stuff. And then in chapter 12, he takes a little bit of a turn. He goes from this big, broad scope and brings it down to a day-to-day -day application. Brings it down to the, the nitty-gritty of what you need to do when you make that choice every day as you get up, if you want to break the flow of the status quo. It's like the first 11 chapters are deciding, man, you know what, I want to go to the Y and work out. So you come out here to the front desk and you greet them and say, hey, I'm interested in joining the Y. And they say, oh, well, let me show you around. And they take you on a tour and they show you the weight rooms and the tread machines, treadmills, and the other ellipticals. And uh, the things like that, and the meets a couple of instructors and get a class schedule. And then you decide, you know what, I'm going to sign up. And you pay the fee and sign the papers and do all of that. But you still haven't actually gone to the why to work out. So that's what Romans 1 through 11 is. It's all of that work that gets you there so that you're able to do it. And then when you finally get to the why and you step on that treadmill for the first time, that's when the application happens. That's, that's Romans 12. And if I start hearing snickers about how I need to be on a treadmill at the why, uh, I'm just going to stop and we'll be done for the day. All right, that's just, you know, I know, I know, I'm working on it. I planned it. I'm just not to the application yet. But Romans 12, 1 and 2, and this is one of my favorite passages of all Scripture. He says, Therefore I urge you, in view, or brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you can test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Man, isn't that good? I love this passage of scripture, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to unpack this. We're going to see a little bit of what we can glean from this passage of scripture. Therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy. Paul is like, remember all those one through 11 chapters of that letter that I just wrote? Of course, they weren't in chapters back then. He's just saying, so remember what you already read right now? 
Therefore, because of all that, because of what God has already done, here is how we should respond. Here's what we should do. We should offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. You know one of the things that drives me the most insane in this world is when you go to get something and it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. You know, you grab an ink pen and you're like, I'm going to sign this real quick. And you start writing and all you left is an indentation on your paper. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Or, or when you go to, uh, and this, all right, here's the one that's the worst. This is, this is the one that just, and right now it's extra bad. I need to take a second, second. When you go get in your car and you know that there's gas in the car and you know that you're in park and you've got your seatbelt buckled and you've got everything going and you put your key in the ignition and you turn it and it goes, click. You know, I, I thought about this. I thought a whole lot about this. Do you realize that your car battery never dies when it's convenient? Like you never are like, you know, I think I might go and do something today. Let me go out to the car and I'll get in. But I've got plenty of time and no agenda. Oh, the battery's dead. I've got plenty of time to get this. No, that never happens. Your car battery dies when it's pouring down rain outside. Your car battery dies when you've got kids in the backseat screaming because they're ready to go home and they won't go to sleep until the car starts moving, but you can't do it because it's going click, click, click. Your car battery dies when you're already 20 minutes late for work and you don't have time for it. And that drives me crazy because a dead battery is useless. It's completely worthless. What are you going to do with it? you got to get some life back in it first. Think about our faith. What if we've got everything right? We're coming to church and we're reading our Bible and maybe we're even volunteering. We're, we're doing stuff and we've got everything right, but when we go to get started, we just hear click. just not feeling that life is it because we're giving God a dead faith and you know I recognize that everybody that's in here today isn't on the same page everybody that's in here today hasn't chosen to walk this walk with Jesus hasn't chosen to be a part of what God is doing and and that's okay we're glad that you're here we're especially glad that you're here but maybe you've been trying been trying to fill in religion, trying to take these man-made ideas and this list of rules and check them off and say, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this, but I'm still not feeling anything. It's just not clicking or it is clicking, click, click, but I don't feel alive. I don't feel like I've gotten started yet. Well, I'm glad you're here today and you get to share this with us and I just want to encourage you, come back and give it another week. Let's keep adding some juice to that. You know, we'll be your jumper cables Sometimes you got to wait a really long time, but you get that life in you. And once you have that life, you're able to start swimming to the shore to break that flow of that white rod or rapid of, of the status quo that just drags you along. And you're able to start swimming because you've got life in you. And here's the thing. If you're giving God something that's dead, as awesome as God is, as amazing as God is, even God doesn't like to work with dead things. God doesn't like to work with dead things. In the Bible, when something was dead and God needed it, he brought it back to life. Because he doesn't like to work with dead things. God didn't design this world to have dead things in it. It was humanity's mess-ups that caused dead things to come into the world. The way God initially designed it, everybody was going to have life forever. And Jesus says, I am the life. 
And if we come to him, we can have that life. And then Paul goes on in in verse 2 and he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can test and prove what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting the things that we do in our houses. Um, like we clean up with this thing in our house that is the most disgusting thing on the planet. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a sponge. Because sponges, it doesn't matter what you clean up with them, they just absorb it. You know, you go over here, you spill some Pepsi, you clean it up, now that's a Pepsi sponge. And then the baby spits up over here, so you clean up some spit up, now that's a Pepsi spit up sponge. And then you clean up some grease from your, your uh, cooking pork chops, and now it's a greasy Pepsi vomit sponge. And you're like, I'll just rinse this off and put it in a little bowl on the, the counter. Do y'all have one of those? Like my wife has realized how nasty sponges are. So we've got a bowl that sits on the counter. So the sponge goes in the bowl so it's not on the counter because it's too filthy to put on the counter. But this is what we clean with. And we think, oh, I'll just, I'll just rinse it off. But it's okay because sponges are cheap. You know, you, you just throw it away when it starts smelling funny. But Ashley, my wife, being the Pinterest queen that she is, found out that if you take a sponge and put it in the dishwasher, it comes out smelling pretty again and usable again and sterile again. I don't know that that's possible, but you know, it it comes out usable. And so we have saved tens of dollars over the years (laughs) because we're able to reuse our sponges. But even then, as you use a sponge, it's wearing away. Even though you can renew it, it's still wearing away. What if there was water that you could use, special water that, that when you washed your sponge in it, not only did it cleanse it, not only did it renew it, but it made it brand new again. It refreshed it completely. It made all the little wires and pieces and whatever it is that a sponge. I think it's made out of sponge. Anyway, whatever that is, it made it all grow back to be brand new again. What if there was water that was so alive that that's what it did? Well, friends, Jesus tells us in his word that he is the living water. You know, what's interesting is uh, our brains are a lot like a sponge, as we walk through life, we just absorb things. We go through and get directions to come to Venture Church, and we absorb that, and we remember that, and we hold on to it. Or we hear a song on the radio, and we absorb that. Or we walk down the aisle at Walmart and hear somebody yelling and screaming about stuff uh, on the other aisle and using profanity that you hadn't heard in uh, not Tar- Quentin Tarantino movies. And you're like, wow, I didn't know people really talk like that. But you absorb that. And, and the more you go through life, the more you absorb. And every once in a while, I go, well, I'll just go rinse my brain off a little bit. So you, you come to church and you listen to a sermon or you jump in the Bible and you do that or you flip on K-Love. It's a different story. I, I finally decided to start listening to K-Love and it's uh, Pledge Month or whatever. And it's been the worst experience uh, don't start listening to it in October. That's all I'm saying. Wait till next month. But you start doing that and you're like, I'll just rinse it off. But all we're doing is letting those other things just sit and fester. What we need is a new, we need to be renewed. The best part about that is, is that Jesus is the living water. He's like the dishwasher that we can go in, but he's the one with the special water that actually makes you brand new again. To break the flow of the status quo, we've got to be new, we've got to be different, we've got to be putting out the cleanliness instead of the filth that we absorb. And we can do that because every day we have the choice to be renewed. 
Every day we have the opportunity to choose Jesus, to choose to break the status quo, to choose to get out of that flow that just pushes us along and say, I'm going to be different. I'm going to stand against the evil. And we get to choose that. And you know what? Sometimes we don't do so well at our choices. Sometimes we, we fall into the status quo and we end up absorbing things that maybe we shouldn't. But I found in my life that every time that happens, I end up with just, at best, some temporary satisfaction. But typically, regret and emptiness and guilt. But I want to break the flow. Break the flow of the status quo so I can find truth and purpose. And I can do that by going daily back to the living water. By setting my mind on, on those things. And making that choice every time it comes up. And when I fail, realizing that the choice is going to come up again, I can still be renewed. Now, I, I told you guys that, that I was a big fan of toys. I and mean, that's, not, that's not kidding. You know, that name for people that, adult men that like toys, it's Patrick. Because until four years ago when I had my son, almost five years ago, wow. Almost five years ago when, when we had our son, I still had a whole room in my house dedicated to toys. It was much bigger and had a lot more things in it. I've, I've narrowed it down a lot. But one of the things that I still love and will always love because I'm a child of the 80s, even though Michael Bay has tried his hardest to ruin it, is Transformers. Uh, you see my, my belt buckle, Autobot logo. This is, I bought this to wear in my wedding. That's how much, you know, that, that, that's what Transformers means to me. But I'll never forget, it was uh, my birthday, April 24th in 2004. I was driving down the road, and uh, I called the preacher at the church that I was a youth minister at at the time. and said, hey, man, um, if I get a tattoo, will I get fired? Because you got to ask those questions at little country churches. If I get a tattoo, will I get fired? And he's like, um, what's your tattoo going to be? And I explained it to him, and he's like, well, I'm not going to tell you to get it, but I won't tell you not to get it, and I'll stand up for you. And I said, all right, cool. So I went to the Wolf's Den in Elizabeth City, which is, like, imagine the sketchiest, ghettoest tattoo place you've ever seen and then like add on a big heap of biker to it like it was I, I should not have gone in there but I did and I sit down and um I'm a little bit of a, a amateur graphic designer I'm not as good as Brent uh, I can't make cool stuff like this but uh I, I designed this uh this logo for my my tattoo and I uh, and we'll throw it up here this is what it is um it, it's the Autobots logo from the Transformer but there's a little bit different in it can you see what's different about that there's a cross in the middle. And I got that tattooed. It's actually, it's right here where it's plain to see for me every day. And underneath it says Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Break the flow of the status quo and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It all starts with your choices. It all starts right here. And that's how you offer that living sacrifice. This is how I chose to break the status quo. How are you going to break the flow? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that you allowed me to come up here and to share just a little bit about who I am, about what I'm passionate about, and about you. Because when it gets right down to it, that's what it is. God, I pray that we can find the life to swim out of this flow, that we can find the strength to, to be the resistance in this world to the evil that is so 
pretty. God, we know that if sin was eating Brussels sprouts that we'd all be safe, but it's not. Sin is fun and sin is stuff that, that it looks so appealing. But help us to break that flow, to get out of that flow of the status quo and come back to you to know that you bring life and you bring it with abundance. God, we thank you so much for all you are and all you do. In your name we pray, amen.